0: Hey, good morning, Walter Spires. Glad to be with you this Sunday morning. Hope everybody's doing great. It's officially fall now, which is a great thing. If the temperature cooperate, we're gonna be loving that because it's been a long, hot summer. Football's well underway. Clemson eked one out yesterday. It's an amazing, crazy game. I hope your team won. Uh, UT pulled one out, Biggie as well. So uh, people around here are pretty happy. We're going to begin finishing this series I've been doing for the last couple of months, The Five Callings of Jesus that Changed the World. The Five Callings of Jesus that Changed the World. It began by changing the disciples' lives. That's what he did. He invested in them for those three years so that they could go out and make disciples, obeying his commandments, and help others to become world changers as well. And that includes us. So we've been through those others. I'm not going to review all of those today because we don't have the time. Every one of those is posted. You can watch the video on YouTube or the website, OnlyJesus.life. You can listen to the podcast. You can pick up the link on the website. You can go to Anchor, Spotify. It's carried on every major player. You just listen to the message as you're driving or whatever. You can read my notes. They're posted as blogs also on the website, OnlyJesus.life. So every bit of it is there. Today, we're going we're to look at the second part of that, love as I have loved you. That was the, That is the fifth calling of Jesus, to love as I have loved you. The second part of that, and it's, in a, it's a really, really important one, and a lot of people diss it. I don't know why. Perhaps it sounds a little bit funny. I've taught this over a number of years in front of many groups, and it's received differently. Let me just say it that way. But it's the truth. It's really important. And I'm going to share that with you today. And it's that we need to learn to love ourselves, loving ourselves. One of the ways that we love as I have loved you in Jesus' words is to love ourselves. And I'm going to explain that so that no one gets it all messed up and out of context and thinks about it being that selfish and self-centered, thinking about us. It's not about me. I agree. No one teaches that more than I do. No one struggles with that more than I have. So I'm going to try to make it clear for you today that it is really important that as Christians, we, know, we learn to love ourselves. Why do I say that we have to learn to love ourselves, that we must have a healthy love for ourselves? Why do I say that? Well, because throughout the Old and New Testament, and I'm going to give you some verses that you can go look up. I'm going to read them to you. You can mark them, or once again, you can get the, the printout of this. On the blog that I'll post. But here we go. In the Old Testament, in the Levitical law, we read this twice now in, in Leviticus 19, both in verse 18 and verse 34. So God speaking to Moses about these people said, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, and you shall love the Lord your God as yourself. I am the Lord. Again, he has said, just as he did. In those prior verses in the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God. Well, here he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second part of that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in the the New Testament, this is the first and great commandment. The second one's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, where do you get that? Well, because God the Father said that over in Leviticus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He said it in two verses in the same chapter in Leviticus 19, and the key words there are as yourself. You love your neighbor as yourself, as you love yourself. You could put those words in there, and it would absolutely fit the context. In Proverbs 19:8, Solomon wrote this. He who acquires wisdom loves himself. He who acquires wisdom loves himself. That's not, that's not the wording in every translation. I look at a lot of translations. And, and stay with the key ones, the ones that are closest to the original, in this case, in the Hebrew and in the New Testament, the Greek. Solomon, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 19.8, he who acquires wisdom loves himself. In the New Testament, Jesus reaffirming again those instructions that God gave Moses to give the Israelites. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. What I just mentioned a minute ago, I guess I got a little ahead of myself. Jesus said in the second, meaning the second greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to talk about loving our neighbors next, but it begins with as yourself, because the love for ourselves precedes loving our neighbors. I'm going to explain that to you. Why that's so important? Because it's critically important. It's vitally important. So God said to Moses, you should love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said, repeating it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Ephesians 5.29, the apostle Paul wrote this. No one has ever hated his own flesh. You don't hate yourself. A lot of people do, and it's incredibly destructive. It's incredibly destructive, and we're going to look at the reasons why we should love ourselves in a healthy biblical way. But Paul went on to say, no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. And the church meaning us, the body of Christ. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. It is those who are born again in Christ. No one's ever hated his own flesh. Well, they do. Especially in this generation, we see a lot of people, especially young people that are confused. They don't understand the love of God, they've heard all these confusing things. There's so much confusion in our world today. Why? Well, that's real simple because Satan is the author of confusion. That's what he does, deceiver, but author of confusion. And that's what's going on in our world today. It's going on in some churches. But it's mostly going on with a bunch of confused young people who don't understand because they haven't seen this love modeled. And so they don't trust anybody. There's a big trust issue there. And uh, Paul went on to say in Galatians 5, for the whole law, the whole law, meaning the Old Testament law, is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul repeats what Jesus said, what God said in repeating this phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And again, we're going to come to that neighbor part, but I want you to focus on the as yourself. That is the important part of this, what we're talking about. We have to love ourselves ourselves. And I'll get into why that's so important as we move forward here, okay? James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was one of the leaders of the church, he said this in James 2.8. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six times. There's more. I just gave you those examples where the as-yourself is used. Now, this is a key point, and I want you to know that some people disagree with this. Some people teach it differently. I don't know why, because it could not be clearer. God is intentional. Then, now, always, forever, he's intentional. And and words didn't accidentally slip in the scripture here, and especially those that are repeated. You know, Spurgeon said something like this, that what God made... Um, prominent or evident in his word, he expects to be conspicuous or evident in our lives. And this is one of those. This as-yourself phrase is repeated so many times, and I've just given you about a half a dozen examples here so that you'd understand I'm not making this up. I'm not someone who's teaching that we need to love ourselves and be in love with ourselves. I didn't say that. I didn't say anything about being in love with ourselves, so we need to love ourselves and we're going to talk about what that looks like now and the reasons why we need to do that. If God didn't mean that that as yourself love love ourselves as yourself here neighbors as yourself, then there would be no reason to include that phrase. I could just as easily say love your neighbor. I could say love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. There's no reason to add that phrase. It's not adding any context or helping to modify or um you know, give any more credibility to the phrase before it. It is by itself in the, in the sense that it means something. It's in there multiple times, many times, because God intends for us to understand what that means. And I don't think people are teaching it and not teaching it correctly. So it's really important. Otherwise it wouldn't be stated. And again, God doesn't write anything in his word. Nothing was written there accidentally and in, in beginning with this, Love yourself, as your your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Here are three reasons why people need to do this. And I've taught this many times in prison, uh, with homeless people, people with addictions, recovery recovery programs, church, a lot of different places because people are struggling with this. People really struggle with this. And here is the, if you struggle with your self-esteem, and there are so many people that do, Some have too high self-esteem, think too much of themselves. The Bible warns about this. Some think nothing of themselves. They have no self-esteem. And here's where it begins. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, we always go back to Genesis. And I've shared these verses with you so many times because they are the beginning of humankind. And God said, let us create man in our own image. Okay, Let us create mankind in our own image. And so he did. It goes on to say that, so God created man and male and female. He created them, man and woman, male and female. He designated two sexes, two sexes, uh, very specific, two genders. We are given a gender at birth, and that is our gender. And a lot of issues over that right now. I'm not going to bunny trail on that right now. But in terms of our own ability to love ourselves, to understand what God meant, Just feast on that for a minute. We're created in the image of God. We're the only created beings of any kind that are created in God's image. We're the only ones that are spirit beings because into Adam, God breathed the breath of life. God breathed. That's why we're spirit beings because we have the the breath of God, the spirit of God breathed into us to give us life. That makes us life. We're spirit beings. God is spirit. So are we. We're in flesh and bone. I don't know why he just created us as flesh and bone, but he created us as man and woman. And so we need to just love that. I love the fact that God created me in his own image. Now, I don't look much like what I see of what the image of God is sometimes, but that's okay. We're going to come to that. But just understand that one reason that I love myself is because God went to the trouble to create me and you in his own image. And so I'm delighted with that. I'm delighted with that. Nothing else, none of the creation of nature, none of the animals, nothing else was ever created in the image of of God, the only God, the one and only God. The second thing is the humility it brings out of that. But also uh, just an an amazing thought in Romans 5, 8, Paul wrote this. and, And you know this verse. But God demonstrated his own love for us, his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, and we're all sinners till we're born again in Christ, but God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. There can be no greater demonstration of the love of God. Jesus is the final and best manifestation of the love of God. Yet people reject him, and so when they reject him, they're rejecting the love of God, and it's easy not to love God then, and you certainly wouldn't love yourself, or you love yourself because you make yourself your own God with a little G. Does that make sense? So I'm just thrilled as a Christian and humbled to my core when I think about the fact that Christ died for me, for my sins, for my sins. And so if God's willing to create me in his own image, if Christ is willing to die for my sins, why wouldn't I love myself? Why wouldn't I think highly of myself? But as Paul warned, I don't think more highly of myself than I should. But I need to think highly of myself in the sense that God created me in his image. Christ died for me. And so that that tells me that there's a worth to me. There's There's a worth to me. It's a God worth. I'm worth something to God. I'm worth the death of Christ. And so in that sense, I can love myself and I must because, because God loved me, loved me enough that thinking about me and created me in his image, loved me enough that Christ died for me for my sins. That, I, I hope this makes some sense to you because it's so important. It really is important that this as yourself phrase is a key that's too often missing. Or perhaps too, taken too much out of context. But we need to understand, we need to understand that we have to love ourselves. And we're going to look more now at what that looks like. Because here's one of the challenges you're going to find that if you don't love yourself in this healthy biblical way we're talking about today, it's really difficult to love others the way God wants us to love them. The reason I put this in this, there's five of these we're going to get to. Jesus gave us five, love as I have loved you. He gave us five examples of that. The first one was love as I have loved God the Father. He said that in John. He said, um, I have loved God. I have loved my Father. He spoke that to his disciples, taught him that. I love the Father. Now we're, we're picking up on this phrase, the second one, as yourselves because the next ones, it's just more and more difficult to think about loving others and doing these things if we don't have a healthy biblical love for ourselves. It is, because when I'm comfortable like that in my own skin, that God loves me, and there's nothing I can do to shake that love off except for rejecting him, rejecting Christ, because the love of God is not unconditional as some teach, and we'll talk about that some other time. Again, we've done that before, but It allows us, it frees us up to love others as well. I'm not so concerned about myself. I'm not self-absorbed. You see this loving, loving ourselves, this as yourself, it's not a self-absorbed kind of love. That's not what it means. It's not what it means. Now I'm going to give reasons why people don't love themselves. And I've I've touched on a couple, but let me just review them. So I, I can keep this fresh in your mind. First of all, One of the things that I see most as someone who's done ministry in all those places I mentioned before, and been a Bible teacher for many, many years, is people just think that they're unworthy, that they are unworthy. I meet so many people in desperate places that just don't think they're worthy. They don't think they're worthy. They've done bad things. They're sitting in a prison cell. They're homeless because of their own bad choices and foolish decisions, things like that. But they just think that they're unworthy they're not worthy to be loved by anyone or perhaps they've never been shown love by anyone and so they think well i've done these things how can god love me and they certainly don't love themselves they don't think anything of themselves they're sitting in prison they're on drugs they have some other kind of addiction issue they are they just get so self-absorbed with their unworthiness that they're unable to see the love of God, which helps them to see that they are made worthy in Christ and that nothing they can do will ever make them worthy except that Christ made us all worthy by his blood. The second thing I run into a lot is that people are living with lies. People grew up in terrible, awful home situations and I don't mean just financially, I mean others where you had abusive parents or you had someone who kept telling you, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. I very often take a poll, ask people when I'm speaking in a room, especially when I'm in places like a jail cell or a room full of uh, homeless people, men and women, and ask how many people have ever been told you're not worth and you'll never amount to anything. And almost everyone raises their hand. They've just been believing these lies. And again, I told you that Satan is this deceiver, is this author of confusion, but he's also the father of lies. Jesus called him the very father of lies. Jesus said he's a liar. He's not only a liar. He is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. And one of those lies is you're no good. You will never amount to anything. But so many people are brought up in that, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, and they believe it. Children believe those things, and it's so hard to help them recover and understand, no, 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 you are dearly loved. You are dearly loved. But God has put people here on earth, Christians, to show this love, and we're going to come to that next time. But one reason people don't love themselves is they feel unworthy. And then people have just told them, you are no good. You will never amount to anything. And the father of lies gets into them and they believe it. Uh, I've seen so many lives destroyed by that. Let's look at this healthy biblical kind of love and the results of that. If we can learn to understand our value to God in creation, if we can understand how much he loved us and Christ loved us to die for us, we can process those things and realize, wow, wow, I am made for a purpose. I am loved fully and completely. The bridge between these is the invitation that I'll close with in a few minutes. It's very possible for people to learn to love themselves Apart from Christ, they can. They'll just. They'll understand some of the things I've taught. They just don't ascribe it to their Creator God, the one who died for them and Jesus. They just listen to motivational self-talk, self-help. A lot of things. There's been lots of that around. There is been. That's been like that for probably since human. Throughout human history, you know, the Greeks had their philosophers and scholars. Every civilization has that where they write positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, the powers of words of some of these preachers who don't teach the Bible. They just teach all this wonderful stuff about you and I thinking better and believing better. I mean, listen, that's, that's all very true. It's biblical. It's couched in a, in, in a relationship with Christ because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's true. And so, I'm teaching this in the context of people who are Christians who have received Christ and I'll come to those who are unbelievers who are not saved later because that's the key. That's the key. You may be able to convince yourself all these things I've talked about. You are worthy. You absolutely are. you are made in the image of God. You are. You have great value. You're all these things and you can puff yourself up. I was a motivational speaker for a number of years and as a Christian in that, it was an interesting dynamic to watch some of these people from some of the famous ones that are gazillionaires because they are unbelievably rah-rah. I mean, you leave the room, you're all pumped up and, and go out there and, and find your place and be all you can be and your best life now and all that other nonsense because it doesn't last. It only lasts as long as to be the last thing you've downloaded, listened to online, watched on YouTube, podcasted. The only thing that lasts is that relationship with Christ. It's hard enough being born again in Christ, living in the world we live in today, because these same people will try to drag us down. And if we don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, which we tend to walk in and out of, if we're not clinging to that, if we're not drawing on that, that Christ in me, that Holy Spirit in me, to try to allow him to live out the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm going to get dragged back down in the world. Why? Because the the deceiver, the liar, the confuser, Satan, all the demons that went with him, they're around. They're pelting on us just like anybody else, firing those fiery arrows, maybe more so because lost people lost, and they just want to leave them that way. They want to come after us and tear down our faith, tear down not our self-esteem, but our value, the value and the worth that we have to love ourselves because of what God did creating us, what Jesus did, dying for us. Oh, don't you see, don't you see that you, you it, it must begin and endure with a relationship with Christ. Because in him, we can find these things that I'm gonna wrap up with. The first one is this, peace with ourselves, peace within ourselves. So many people don't have peace. There are a lot of Christians that don't have peace. Just go to these verses. Start with this one. John fourteen, twenty-seven. Jesus said, as he again, remember that the last eight or nine chapters of John are all that upper room discourse where he is telling, listen, I'm leaving. We're within the hours of me being arrested and killed and put in that grave and you guys all running away. We talked about that in the last few weeks. And of course they said, Oh no, no, we'll never do that. And within a few hours they all did. Jesus is preaching peace to them. He's already shown them how much he loves him. He's going to the cross. He's already shown them how he, would, how he has served them by washing their feet. It's one of the last ones we talked about, back, the example of servanthood. Now he's talking about them having a peace that no one will understand. The apostle Paul later called it the peace that passes all understanding. He said, here's how you going to have that peace. This is the only way you're ever going to have peace. No matter what you're going through, it's the only way we're going to ever have any peace that we can hold on to. In John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you. And then I circle and highlight this this, um, pronoun, my peace I give to you. My peace, my peace, the peace of Christ, his peace, the peace that allowed him to go and be beaten beaten mercilessly, whipped and torn and all that, then nailed to a cross, then embarrassed and humiliated, having peace within. This is the peace that Jesus told his disciples. This is peace. This is peace. And it's the only peace that will get you through this life. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And here's the key. What he says, He said, not as the world gives not as a peace sign, not as the world says peace, oh, be happy, be peace, be nice to people, that's peace, don't make war, that's peace, no, 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 that's peace that comes and goes. He said, not as the world gives to you, not not as that world peace, as you'd call it, I'm giving you a different kind of peace. I'm giving you a peace that will let you endure all the stuff that you're going to go through, the suffering, the things that we all endure, that we think we'll never get through. And he left them with these comforting words. He said, don't let your heart be troubled, and don't let it be afraid. What they were about to see would destroy anyone's peace, would trouble anyone, and would make you scared to death. And it did. And it did. But after, after all of that, when they saw him again, and when the Holy Spirit came on them, just like he does us when we are saved, that peace returned and away didn't leave. I told you last time, all these apostles, except Judas, are said to have been martyred, killed for their faith. They stood there in peace and died. They stood there in peace and took that bullet. They weren't bullets, but they took that sword, beheading all the things that happened to them. Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, all of them understood it. They all ran away. But then they came back, and they saw the risen Christ, and they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and their lives were changed forever, forever. Mm. Jesus also said to them in these last hours, in Matthew twenty nine eleven. he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest rest for your souls. He gave them his peace. He told them, here's my rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. Be yoked up with me and you will have rest. So we have peace with Christ. We can find rest yoked up alongside of Christ. And here's what it does. It it increases our capacity to love other people. Because when I finally get comfortable in my own skin, when I realize that I am fully and completely loved, adopted in, remember that branch we talked about, the I am the vine, you're the branches and bearing fruit, I believe I can only do that, Christians can only do that when you love ourselves. When I love myself enough to say, man, this is great, I love this, I want someone else to know. The Bible teaches that if we really are living this, people are going to want to know, where does that come from? How can you possibly have peace in these storms? How can you possibly have peace in this disease and these things that are going on? How can you find, how how do you do that? How do you get through that? (laughs) And we can tell them, we can tell them, man, that this God loves me. Christ died for me. And out of the love of Christ in me, I'm comfortable to share that with someone else to let them know this is the only way I could do this. It's the only way. There's no other way that I could share this. So I could love someone. And that's the fourth one is that we have this, this boldness to share with other people who need it. The world is dying for peace. The world is dying for hope. The world is hopeless. There are some who are putting their hope in everything but Christ. And it's a temporal thing. And some of them are happier, happier. Some of them are having a better time, enjoying life more than many Christians, including this one sometimes. But that doesn't last. Here's some commands that Jesus gave us again as he was leaving. He said, this new command I give you, that you love one another. We'll get to that next time. But even as I have loved you, even as I have loved you, that was that new part of the command. Even as I have loved you. We're supposed to love as Christ loved us. The love of the Father, the the healthy love of ourselves, that biblical love of ourselves. And then he told us to go and preach this stuff. Lay it out there. I just touched on that. Lay it out there. Tell someone the good news. Tell them why you're able to have this peace, to find this rest, to have this joy. We didn't touch on joy. It's because of what... (laughs) of what Christ did for us and who he is and who he is making us and the, uh, the Holy spirit in us. It's not possible the Holy spirit in us. It's not possible to live that way apart from that. You know, I always tell people this, look, the Bible is a love story. It's a big old book with 66 books on the old Testament and, 39 in the New Testament, excuse me, uh, yeah, excuse me, 66 total, 39 and 27. And it's a love story between God and mankind. Now, sometimes it doesn't look like it and we like it. It's a violent one. There's some strange stuff in there. But it begins with God loving us because he created us. And so that's where we started. Your value, your worth, your esteem comes out of the fact that God created you. Loved you, was thinking about you and me, and he created us. He didn't have to do that. He wasn't lonely. Let us just, just wallow around in that for a while, okay? It is a love story, and God loves you. And for those who are lost, let me wrap it up with this: Look, God loves you, and no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, there's nothing you can do to run away from the love of God. You can't outstrip. You can't wiggle out of the grip of his grace. You can't do that. You can't sink so deep that he cannot reach down and grab you and pull you back up. You cannot reach below the depths, the unfathomable love of God. You can't do that. You can't sink so low that he can't reach down and find you and pull you up. But when you have that encounter, and the reason he keeps sending people like me to you to express this love is to say, it's only restored one way, and that is that we realize we're sinners. You've screwed it all up. I've screwed it all up. And that sin is the, is the, the key that broke things, going back to Genesis 3, is this sin. We're sinners. It, it destroyed that relationship. And even then, God said, well, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix it once and for all through Christ. But Christ is the key. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the good shepherd. He's all those things I've taught you so many times. And if you're listening now for the first time, understand that the love of God is conditional in that you won't spend eternity in heaven, but you will spend eternity in hell apart from the love of Christ receiving Christ. That's just the way God set it up, the way he laid it out. Christ died for your sin just like he did mine. And if you don't repent, if you don't understand that and come with a broken, contrite heart to God and say, man, I have screwed this up. I do need a savior jesus would you save me he does you forgive my sin absolutely he will and you're born again and you're renewed and regenerated and you will find the ability to love yourself in this healthy biblical way in ways you've never understood before all of a sudden some of these words i've said make more sense than they ever have maybe they made no sense but they will if you receive them by receiving christ and that's my plea, and that's my petition. Oh, I beg you to do that. Don't, don't turn this off without bowing the knee, and confessing those sins, and just asking God to forgive you through the blood of Christ, and receive Christ as your Savior. And He will. That's the great news. He will. He will. And then you'll understand what I said today—that we need to love ourselves. So that we can love God and we can love others so much more effectively. Mm. It's a great place to be. I pray you'll join us there for Christ's sake. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.